Welcome, everyone, to the Food, Farms, and Chefs radio show with restaurant industry author Kevin Wilson, highly acclaimed chef Gene Blum, and food photojournalist Amaris Pollock. Join them as they interview the biggest names in the restaurant industry, tell you about the latest food trends, and give you recipes and cooking tips, too. So let's get the show started. Welcome to our listeners around the world via the podcast. Our listeners on our FM station in New York and our two Philadelphia radio stations. It's Tuesday evening drive time for you. We have an outstanding show today. So let's get this great show started. It's a great honor to introduce a returning guest of the show, someone who is just involved on the operations level of the most important events happening in this country at any given time. Welcome to Food Farms and Chefs, Rocco Galelli of Innovative Catering Concepts. Great to have you back with us. Thank you, Gene. Uh, Great to be back. You guys are always very friendly and very very courteous to me, and uh, thank you for allowing us to um, tell you our story, I guess. And your story every day becomes a little bit more amazing. You know, you come back from the Super Bowl, you had a big summer with events going on in Atlantic City with fish and with Tidal and with, uh, you know, Welcome America. You're coming up on Made in America with everything going on with that. But in the middle of it all, you had the Field of Dreams baseball game just two weeks ago. And then this Thursday, as part of that whole world, you get a phone call from, you know, Major League Baseball on a Thursday. Hey, can you do an event for us in Williamsport, Pennsylvania on Sunday? And then the following morning, you get the, hey, by the way, it needs to be a little bit more than we asked for because, you know, President Bush and several governors and VIPs are going to be there as well. Just every time I turn around, you are doing something more and more spectacular and just more and more exciting. So let's start off with uh, Field of Dreams year two, uh, a little bit different, a little bit uh, more involved. And, you know, what's going on out there? Well, Innovative Catering Concepts um, was a uh, privilege to be asked back to cater for the crew and for a couple of VIPs out in Dyersville, Iowa, um, the Field of Dreams movie site, as you know, uh, they built an MLB stadium out there. Uh, it's a portable stadium that each year they host the Major League Baseball game. This year, it was the Cubs um, versus the Cincinnati Reds. And we were fortunate enough to be out there again uh, with the America spotlight on that the cornfields and we were able to do crew catering and VIP catering for um, the special guests. And um, the MLB jokes with me all the time. They call it Rocco's Tavern. It's not called Catering Tent. It's called Rocco's Tavern. And, um, you know, we were, we were fortunate to be out there. We served uh, some, some greats like uh, Ken Griffey Jr., Ken Griffey Sr. Um, we did green room catering for... Um, Walker Hayes, um, he's pretty much very popular for his song Fancy, um, and um, 
you know, we're blessed, Gene. I mean, since the pandemic, I can't be more thankful to be able to still be in business. First of all, thank God for being able to allow us to be in business and then have some of the business that we have for what I like to call ourselves a glorified mom and pop. Well, I mean, they are some really big names. And I, I tell you, you know, last year with the intro to Field of Dreams, with Kevin Costner coming out onto the cornfield, you know, it was hard to imagine that you can come up with a more creative start of a game. And then Major League Baseball comes up with Ken Griffey's senior, Ken Griffey Jr., having a catch in the field, soon to be followed by, you know, players and their children and people and their children joining on in the field for all that. What a great thing. And I'm sure for your crew, that had to be an incredibly touching moment because you have some father-son teams as part of your event. I, You know, Mark Jr., Mark Sr., that has to be a really kind of emotional trip to be on. Don't get me wrong. We work hard when we're out there. But the sentimental value of being out there, as it being one of my favorite movies, first of all, um, it's being able to see through the eyes of some of the fathers and sons that we have on our team that are out there and enjoying it and, and reminiscing or, or just taking it all in because, I mean, it's basically what the whole movie was about was him and his father, you know, at the time and, and to have, see it through Mark senior and Mark junior going out there and just enjoying it and having the opportunity literally in the middle of a cornfield. Yes, yes, there's really nothing out there. I know, you know, sourcing products for you has become a real uh, you know, difficult task out there. You're really dealing with, in, in some instances, the farmers themselves. So, you know, it, you really take on a, a, a complex task, you know, going out and feeding the level of people. I mean, we're not talking, you know, the, the little neighborhood baseball game. We're talking, you know, pro athletes and owners of baseball teams and, you know, the executives of Major League Baseball, you know, in attendance. Right. Um, we were fortunate enough to get basically an affiliate arrangement with one of the local supermarkets, Fairway. Uh, and um, with their support, I got to say, I wouldn't be able to do it without them as um, as a pr product support and anything that I need. And it just gets delivered sometimes within minutes, let alone the next day. And they're able to source, you know, anything from the smallest, you know, spice to the largest piece of meat that I want to order. I mean, being in the Midwest, the quality of meat products that we're getting or the proteins are just amazing. But you would think that they couldn't get me, you know, seafood, and they're coming up, you know, with the salmon and other things that we're ordering for some of our hors d'oeuvres and the salmon for the line. It's just, you know, also equally as amazing. So I don't know how they do it, but they do a great job. And of course, we always get the support from U.S. Foods, but to have a hometown support and leaving it and giving economic impact of the air, local areas is most important for us. Well, I, I agree with you. I uh, You turned me on to Fairway last year and I... I'm a frequent customer of their meats and have them shipped out to the house on a regular basis. And there is nothing like their tomahawk steaks and, and their Wagyu is just to die for. I mean, it's just amazing cut of beef, but, you know, transitioning into, you know, 
what happened you know, this week? You know, you get the phone call. What what was the event? Uh, you know, how did that all come about for you being out in Williamsport? Well, everybody knows that um, the Little League World Series uh, happens in Williamsport each year, and Major League Baseball has done the Little League Classic, which is two Major League teams basically perform or have a game in front of all the Little League teams and their families uh, inside the stadium, right outside of Williamsport. It is the pro stadium um, where I believe the Phillies A-team plays. And um, I get a call on Thursday morning um, from the producers and a representative from Major League Baseball asking me if I can basically help them out of a little bit of a conundrum that they were in um, to feed the players and feed the uh, VIP staff or VIP guests that were coming in. Um, and then I find out a little later, as you previously mentioned, um, you know, it was former president Bush, uh, governor Wolf, uh, from Pennsylvania, um, Lieutenant governor, uh, commissioner of baseball, his family owners of both teams. And I was like, Oh boy. And, uh, you know, we said that we would be out there and be able to handle it for them. And uh, we were fortunate enough. We drove out yesterday morning, got there, and uh, got home a couple hours ago. And I, and I apologize in advance because not many people will get that. But with our lieutenant governor out there, in my opinion, you should have probably took Mike McKinley to take care of his food. But that's just here or there. Um. So what you, you did, the cocktail reception and, and lunch for the players out there this weekend or yesterday? Um, what we did was um, we did pre-batting practice, post-batting practice, and post-game for the players. And then we did a cocktail reception um, for, I guess, pre-game straight through to post-game. And um, on Sunday when the game was, there – uh, even though it was nice in this local area here, it was raining sideways in Williamsport with lightning strikes um, all around. So we had a shelter in place from for solid two, two and a half hours, which doesn't bode real well when you have two um, Major League Baseball teams locked up in their um, lounge areas waiting for post-batting practice meals that we can't get to them. So that was a little bit of a logistical challenge because we weren't allowed out of our trailers. Wow. That's, that's always an interesting challenge. And I'm sure one, you know, being out in Iowa, you've had that a few times now because you have the tornado warnings out there and the severe thunder war storm warnings. And for people who don't know in the central part of the United States, you know, People plan on that and there's shelters and then the arenas, there's places to go just in case and things like that. And I know you've uh, saw the inside of them more than once. Yeah. Up until a few years ago, you know, I was not as familiar with the weather protocols that or emergency protocols that unfortunately, fortunately, no matter how you look at it, I'm very well versed in it now, um, especially weather protocols because you know, growing up in the city, you know that there's buildings around you that they're going to hit before it's going to hit you. But when you're in the middle of a cornfield and you have um, tend to be the tallest thing around, except for 
grass uh, or uh, corn stalks, you tend to be a pretty big target. Yes, yes, yes. So, you know, fast forwarding, we're coming into uh, Labor Day weekend. You have a big part of this year's Labor Day celebration in Philadelphia. What do you got going on? Um, innovative catering content fortunate enough to be awarded the crew catering contract for all the hard workers and talent for uh, Made in America celebration on Friday weekend. And um, we're looking forward to coming back and making sure that everybody who's working is well fed and making sure all the artists that are appearing um, have what they need. And we're excited about that uh, as well as being excited to um, support some of the fan needs with our Philly fry truck and um, being able to be out there and be a part of it. Anything that has to do with Philadelphia, we'd love to be a part of and we love the support. So, Well, it sounds like it's going to be a fabulous show. I, I know I got an opportunity to come down last year, see a little bit of the workings behind stage. You guys were pumping out a lot of stuff and, you know, it was, uh, you know, an 18 hour day easily for those days. So, you know, the people who work for you have to be very dedicated. They're, they're, they're long days and they're good people, you know, uh, nothing easy about what you do. I'm very blessed Gene, to have the people that we need to make it happen. They're rock stars in their own right. Uh, people should be serving them and filling their ride. But, um, Yes, some of the days get quite long. Yesterday or Sunday for us was a literally a 24-hour day. Um, by the time we left the base and got back to base, it was completely 24 hours. You know, Super Bowl Sunday always tends to be a 22-hour um, day when we're able to serve the people for NFL films. And some of the MIA days are, you know, we're around the clock Saturday and Sunday because the labor calls and the needs. So thank God I have one of the most dedicated and in my opinion, best, best teams in the business. Well, thank you. And it's always a pleasure. So people wanting to uh, find out more about your businesses, your food trucks, your catering hall, your crew catering, your off offsite catering people throughout the country looking for event catering. How do they get hold of you? Um, it's best to call the office, um, 856-740-3352, or go on ICCcatering.com. Well, thank you, Rocco. It's always a pleasure. Thank you for uh, you know staying awake as long as you did. I know you're exhausted from your trip and giving us an opportunity to talk to you. Always a pleasure. Hopefully, we'll be talking to you soon uh, after some more spectacular events done by uh, innovative catering concepts. Thanks, Gene. I've always said I got a face for radio, so thank you very much. <laughs> you you do it that. that. You have a face for radio, but you're also now on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for joining us, Rocco. Thanks, Amaris. Thanks, Gene. Thanks, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Go back to bed. Thank you, Rocco. Let's take I'll a break, call. Kim. We'll be right back. 
To become a sponsor of our show and have your business or event promoted on every single podcast platform, two Philadelphia radio stations on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. evening drive time and FM station in New York, send us an email to either foodfarmsandchefs at yahoo.com or diningonadive at yahoo.com. And we're back. Amorous Pollock, introduce us to your fabulous guest. Hi, everyone. I want to introduce our Food Farms and Chefs fans to Tyler Dahl, who is one of the co-owners of the Cubby Hole in Morristown, New Jersey. Um, it is a cute little breakfast and lunch eatery that I've been going to for a while, and I've plugged them a a few times on where we're eating so you know if you're wondering like what the cubby hole is and who owns it and what they offer we have a terrific segment for you as we have one of the owners and the curators of their menu on the show tyler thank you for joining us thanks for having me <laughs> so um i initially i spoke with your wife amy who was going to be joining us um but unfortunately i guess due to scheduling um we have we're bringing you on but also it's a positive thing because you did create the menu that um that that's available at the cubby hole so how did you and amy get started in this business and what is your history within the culinary community um, so we're, we both come from a food service background. Uh, we both worked in um, like elegant, classy restaurants. Uh, we had to wear shirts and ties and all that stuff. And we rented a small apartment on Main Street in Morristown. And uh, we would walk past this tiny coffee shop slash eatery almost every day and peek in the window and you know, we always talked about, wouldn't it be great if we could do something of our own? And one day there was a vacancy sign in the window. So we, you know, it was just a normal day. We had no plans of any kind. We were actually walking to Starbucks and we decided to go in and talk to the landlord and uh, kind of just blossomed from there. So where, I mean, you're, you, you're mentioning that you were in the food service um, with, in an elegant setting so were you one of the line cooks or one of the um, chefs no. at uh, that's no we were both servers slash bartenders at the time I actually had no back of the house training or culinary training whatsoever I had to learn on the fly oh wow so when you opened your doors um what about what year was that uh I believe we're in our eighth year now so that would have been 2014. That's a, a decent run. And I know that you've been there for a while because I've had other friends that, you know, pre previous to my, you know, visiting your, your, the cubby hole. Um, I had friends who have reached out to me and been like, you have to try this. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, so I knew that you had been there or been established in Morristown for a while. Um, so how did you come about like learning on the fly? Like what were, what are some of the things that when you were, you know, learning that you found worked versus didn't work? Well, since I didn't have a knowledge base to draw upon, I had to think back to my, my childhood and the way that my grandmother made French toast and pancakes for me. And 
she, you know, did it super simple. She's from the Great Depression era. So she did it as simply and, you know, she garnished it with love. And that's kind of the sentiment that we carry on to this day. I try to keep all my recipes under eight ingredients. And I think that authenticity really shines through in the final product. It does. Um, I've definitely had your French toast before. And, you know, and like, (laughs) if you, if you go to the cubby hole and you sit down and you look at the menu, there is, it's a very simplified menu. Um, But like, it it is like offered with love and like, you can see it in the dishes too that come out. um, Cause it's, you know, plated where it's just like, an abundance of food. If you, if you leave there hungry, it's your own fault kind of thing. Uh, (laughs) And, you know, but like with, you're saying that, you know, you started with the simplicity of your grandmother's recipes, but you've definitely built onto that um, because you, you've expanded, like you have some, you know, slightly elaborate, like, cause you're saying eight or more ingredients, but you know, you definitely have some, um, breakfast dishes that are piled high with like various like scrumptious and delicious um and very tempting ingredients so you know tell us a little bit about some of those menu items that you offer on you know on your menu sure um so my wife is really good at keeping things like fresh and new and exciting so she's always pressing me to create new dishes and that creative aspect really strikes me like it's it's a it's a fine way to spend your time you know developing a new menu um we try to go we have two small children that's actually why my wife wasn't able to be here today they're they're twins and they're about to turn four so that's a that's a full-time job in and of itself how do um, some of the menu items that you offer? So, if you have two small twins that are uh, that are in your household, are they part of the uh, decision making process when you're coming up with these recipes? Yeah, it's kind of the same relationship that I had with my grandma. That you know, if she's not going to cook something that I'm I don't like, you know, so they're definitely the first line of testing or experimentation, you know, and they they you know, like most four-year-olds, they're, they're, they're into simple things. They don't like going too complex. And that's basically what we try to do. Just cook with one ingredient at a time. You know, nothing comes in a bag, nothing comes in a box, everything's cracked to order, et cetera. And that's how we eat at home. That's how my twins like to eat as well. They like yeah. M&Ms too, but. <laughs> <laughs> Well, then maybe they can have one of your like Nutella or banana Foster's uh, French toast uh, oh, yeah. creations. Every day. Yeah. <laughs> M&M pancakes. Nothing like M&M pancakes. You know, they <laughs> actually don't like the pancakes. I don't know what it is, but that was the one that we were very excited once they switched to solid foods. We're like, okay, pancakes, you know, weekly, but they don't, they take all the chocolate chips out of it and they, they go for the French toast. That's interesting. I know. Now, me, I like. I also like a good savory dish, and you have plenty of savory dishes that are also available on your menu. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, one of the things that I absolutely adore is bacon. <laughs> <laughs> 
when I when I think of like if I want a bacon egg and cheese on a croissant, like you have like these fresh fluffy croissants that you put it on. I don't know if you're making that in house or if you you know have a pure purveyor that brings them, but your croissants yeah. are like so good. And then you have you have it piled high with your bacon, which is thick cut. And like if anybody knows anything about like food. Bacon really does make it better. I'm sorry, vegetarians out there, but bacon makes everything better. Okay, absolutely. It's time for me to chime in now and give my basic spiel on bacon. There are two groups <laughs> of people in the world. There are those that love bacon, and there, there are those that are wrong. End of discussion. <laughs> exactly. I'm on your side. 100% on your side. Actually, vegetarians like bacon too because they have the fake bacon. So it's kind of like liking bacon, but not actually liking bacon because it's fake bacon. But you know, just saying. Bacon Once makes you go sick, you can't go back too. It's true. I can't. I can't eat bacon anywhere else. It's a. It's a curse. It really is because I mean it's crispy. I like it extra crispy too. So I always like. And I always order extra. I feel like the weirdo that's like, I already have bacon on the sandwich, but then I want bacon as a side. <laughs> oh no, that's that's standard. You're not alone. And the other thing that I like that you you guys do is you um, use, and I mentioned this with what to your wife too. A, um, you make your your hash browns like not like that choppy, like thin. Like I think you know people get it from like a frozen the frozen aisle but the like the chopped up like shredded almost um potatoes and then they fry it on the on the blacktop you guys actually mm -hmm. take like the love of like you know fingerling or you know small potatoes and like cut them up into like bigger chunks and like that's your hash browns yeah that's actually the reason we make them a little bit bigger because we're basically constantly cutting potatoes and it's just faster to make them a little bit bigger so it's, it boils down to no pun intended it boils down to uh making it easier to cook yeah well everything you know is made day of or day before so you know you got to keep it moving you got to keep chopping yeah now i i know that you well i mean obviously you're located in morristown new jersey but you have a ton of farm like farms that are centralized centrally local to where you're located, do you utilize like some of the farms that are that are surrounding you in order, like farm to table kind of concept? Yeah, absolutely. There's a, a local farmers market right here in Morristown, and my wife and my twins go there every week, and they they pick up a lot from there. And then we also have um, like some farm to table programs where we get fresh produce from local purveyors uh, dropped off, and these are actually purveyors. A misnomer because they're not professionals. They're not making a living by selling vegetables. It's it's people in their home gardens, and we, there's a local community garden as well. And we get a lot of tomatoes and et cetera from there. That's very cool. And um, I also know I haven't actually had any of them, but I know that you always offer because I'm always so stuffed when I leave. But you also offer like donuts, and I didn't realize that you. Your, one of your chef, like your sous chefs, was actually making those um, donuts in in house. Oh yeah, every day the oven's just constantly running, and they come out in batches of six. So you can, you know, it's it's very tenuous. It's, but um, you know, that's like I said before, that's how we try to do it. You know, keep it fresh, keep it moving, and I give the chefs like there are a, a ton of leeway. Like I show up 
during the course of service and I look at the donuts and I'm, you know, surprised I'm seeing them for the first time and I take a bite and it's almost always amazing. And, you know, let them be creative and let them do what they're there to do. And they, they do a really good job of doing that. Yeah. And, um, being that you're also like centrally located in Morristown, like it's such a community. And as you said, you, you know, you pick up some of your local, um, produce from the community farm um, and, you know, from different people who are, are, you know, vending at the farmer's market. But um, mm -hmm. do you ever, does the cubby hole ever do anything in support of the community that's surrounding? Uh, we try to. Every, basically, every person that comes in and say, hey, can you help support us with blank? I often don't even listen to what it is. It's just the fact that they're community and, and in some sense family. I just say, yep, absolutely. Sign me up. And, you know, it's raffles and drives and fundraisers, et cetera. I just try to do it all. You know, I, I feel like there's no reason to pick and choose. Just we're all one big community. We're in this together. And if you're in the building asking me for my help, it means you're familiar. So I'm more than willing to put it back out there feels feels good that sense of community you know i think that's what drew us to morristown to begin with it really is a a great little town and with so much to offer it really does and i mean the fact that you are like in such a walkable like section of it because it is right off of that main strip area you know it's easily seen from the street so if you're driving by in morristown like you know even if you're like just passing through like you can see like the cubby hole and see how popular it is um you know because it, it you guys really do draw a lot of uh, locals to to your your restaurant mm -hmm. and that's actually the only form of advertising that we use we've never done a billboard or a commercial or a facebook ad or anything the velvet rope ideology like if you see people waiting at the door you're going to slow down a little bit and look what door it is and the next time you drive by there's a good chance you're going to stop. And that's, that's the credo we try to operate on. And, and it's a, it's definitely been a beneficial um, credo that you've operated on because I, as I said, a lot, like you do, you see it all the time. Like I've, I've driven by, you know, your restaurant several times where like, I was like, Oh, what, you know, what are they doing? Are they doing something? Is there an event? And it's like, no, it's just the cubby holes packed as usual. <laughs> You got to come at the right time. Like if you come before 10 o'clock and after one o'clock, you could probably sit right down. You know, not a lot of people are hungry at those times, but. But it is popular for a reason because, you know, as I said, I've, I've eaten there several times and I plugged you guys on our show um, because it, it is, it's succulent. Like, and then I'm an avid, avid coffee drinker. Um, mm -hmm. So one of the other things that I want to plug is like, you have very interesting lattes that you've come up with. And, you know, I don't know who, who was behind the creations of the different coffee, coffee, um, coffees that you offer, but I know that you also, you know, sell a local coffee uh, brand in your store. Yep, they're Revolution. They're from Collingswood. Uh, they do the entire roasting process in-house, and generally the beans that we get have just been roasted. Sometimes they're still warm, and you can smell the truck before it gets there. And we get a 
coffee delivery every three days. So it's as fresh as we can possibly get. My wife was the barista. She was a, a team leader at Starbucks for several years before we met. So she was able to, you know, continue that process and train everyone. We also have uh, a couple front of the house staff that are very skilled and they're generally the ones coming up with the new ideas. Um, Kat is her name. Um, I don't know if you want to plug her at all, but she's done a great job at developing new coffee drinks and uh, latte art, et cetera, to you know, keep it exciting and fresh and new. And it is exciting. Speaking of exciting, fresh and new, um, you had just changed your menu just a little bit. I have, you know, I noticed because I was in there recently. So what is something on your new menu that you would say, hands down, I have to go try? Well, I got to say the spicy wrap is one of my favorite dishes. And it's, it's pretty simple. It's sauteed onions, that thick cut bacon, eggs, and then we have a house made chipotle aioli. Um, with cheddar cheese and it's it comes pressed so it's got that nice crunchy texture to juxtapose with the softness of the eggs and it's it's really really good and it's really good to wrap up and take with you like on your way to work you eat half now and eat half at lunch or whatever um the cob salad my wife developed um and that's really good as well the hard-boiled eggs it's uh it'll keep you full through past lunchtime if need be <laughs> I mean, a cob salad is definitely a staple uh, in my in my plethora of uh, foods that I that I yeah. consume. Cob salad is a go-to for me, so I'm I'm glad that you guys have that on the menu now. Um, so, do you ever do collaborations with any of the other uh, locations? Like, because I know the Cupcake Carnival is there too. Um, like, do you any do you ever do collaborations with one of the dessert stores? Not really. Um, interesting story though. The, the Cupcake Carnival, that's actually where we started. That was the cubbyhole for, I think, 17 years before we took over. And we were there for five years, six tables. Wow. Um, yeah, because I, I know you expanded into like the larger venue that you're currently located. Uh, we do. I mean, the like the restaurants on Main Street, that's what me and my family and my employees, that's what we eat. So basically five days a week, you know, we have staff meal, um, and we're always going to Pazzarello's, Corolla's, uh, it's all just one big family. We really believe in synergy, you know, and if our employees are going over there, their employers are almost certainly coming over here. So definitely a uh, tight knit group. Of course. Now for anybody else who would like to also go to the cubby hole, where can they find you online and in person? Well, we haven't spent any money on a website, uh, but you can find us on Facebook. Just type in Cubbyhole. Uh, we have an Instagram account that's managed by our employees. Um, our menu is available just with a quick Google search. And you can find the Cubbyhole um, off of Main Street in Morristown, New Jersey. Thank you so much, Tyler, for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I had a great time. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Tyler. Let's take a break and we'll be right back. You can find Chef Gene Blum at IB Foodie 2 
across all social media or email him at ibfoodie2 at yahoo.com. And you can find Amaris Pollock at ARPollockus across social media or email her at ARPollockus at gmail.com to become a sponsor of the show or become a guest. Food Farms and Chefs. All of our Food Farms and Chefs family, I want to reintroduce one of our returning guests who is an amazing person, an amazing human being. Um, He is a licensed professional um, counselor with mental health. He has is board certified nationally uh, to provide crisis management. He goes out whenever there's some sort of like big dilemma across the country, like they call him, he is the person, but he also is the founder and the CEO of the Trauma Survivors Foundation. Um, Dennis Carradine, welcome back to the show. I, I sound amazing on paper. And then you, you talk to my, the wife and the kids and I'm kind of a dork. So it's, it's okay. It's thank you. Thank you. for No, you're, you're welcome. You're very welcome. Actually, one of the things that I didn't know through, uh, that I, I always forget, but then I research you again, like every single time. And I'm like, Oh, right. He's also a firefighter. <laughs> you definitely sound like this amazing human being and you are then people meet me and we're like oh yeah it's dennis whatever a lollipop sit him in the corner he'll be okay so i mean how did you get into all of this how did you um start your foundation well well you know it's funny getting into it and starting the foundation two separate things i (laughs) i I was actually talking to a a few college students about this and a little lecture that we did and I said, I went into, I went into college wanting to be a doctor. I wanted to be a pediatrician, love working with kids, you know, always wanted to do that. And I fell in love with psychology the end of my sophomore year, just literally fell in love with it. And so when I started pursuing this, there was this emergent field called trauma psychology and crisis intervention. And, and sadly, when I got my degree and eventually went to Temple and went on for my, my master's, my doctorate, all that great stuff, that I then didn't realize I was becoming the grandfather or the grandfather generation of this uh, trauma psychology. So this has been in my blood, you know, since since day two of college. Um, the, the Trauma Survivors Foundation actually started formalizing a little bit after 9-11. So we, we had responded there on the pile for about three months working with first responders um, and, and decided, you know, well, we got to do something. So we started doing events and we started doing fundraising for people. Um, and then after that, it was like, OK, well, this is good, you know, but we really didn't formalize it. Um, we started formalizing the foundation and actually got our 501c3 after the Sandy Hook massacre. And, and you know, to tell that story, I, I always say that any charity, any foundation, any movement always starts with a, with a single person or, or a family member or something like that. And this actually started with a college co-ed, a uh, 20, 21 year old that was up in, up in uh, Danbury, Connecticut, I believe somewhere, somewhere in that area. I was commissioned to go out we, we were about four weeks up in up in Sandy Hook to respond to, to the crisis. And I was commissioned to go out to another area to talk to family members. 
And I stopped in this Dunkin' at the time, Dunkin' Donuts. You know, we have to pay credence now that it's just Dunkin' or Dunkies if you're up there, excuse me. So I had to stop at Dunkin' in, in Danbury or wherever it was in Connecticut, wasn't sure. I walked in, my attire of the day was, uh, was a business suit. So I, I kind of looked like one of the reporters that was kind of flocking the area. So I went up to the counter, I ordered, I ordered a black coffee from, from this gal that was there. And she started crying. And I thought to myself, it's like, like nobody's ever ordered a black coffee for me. <laughs> tragedy or, you know, and I didn't, I didn't get it. And her, her supervisor, her manager came over and just kind of gave me this death stare. And I thought, yeah, this is it. I'm, I'm dead in Connecticut, you know? And I said, look, Hey, I, I'm a therapist. I, I, you know, I'm a mental health person. I, I don't know what happened here. And she, the, the, the girl just started crying looked at the manager and the manager told me that her nephew was one of the boys, one of the little boys killed at, at the school. So I ended up speaking to her for about 30 minutes afterwards and, and found out a couple of things. And this became true. And this became where we formalized the foundation was one. She was a college student. She was under insured. She didn't have like, right. We, we all know that you had the, the $10,000 deductibles and, you know, yeah. so forth. She could, didn't have access to mental health. She had gone to one crisis intervention that was a, was a group, and she felt very uncomfortable. She was a very private person. And then, you know, she didn't know who to go to or who to turn to. So I spoke to her, got her to smile a little bit, just had her thinking about different things. And then afterwards, after we had finished, I made sure that she was hooked up with a friend of mine in that area to get further counseling. And at that time, I, I just paid for it out of my pocket. But I thought, you know, we, we have to do something. So starting the foundation started there and we developed a five step model or a five session model, excuse me, where we give five sessions after a traumatic event that you could use with one of our uh, one of our uh, trained trauma therapists in our network. We're, we're between 2,500 and 2,800 therapists under the network. Uh, we're they're, they're located, not we, not me. <laughs> they're located in about 41 different states. Um, and so it, it became this vibrant network. And then, and then we started going a little crazy. You know, we, we're not crazy bad, but we started doing uh, trainings. We started training uh, first responders. We started providing crisis intervention with responders. Uh, we started training therapists to work with first responders. What we found, one of the biggest things, you know, is that you know, the everyday mental health therapist really doesn't get the, the, the first responder world. They don't understand it. They, they don't know what these folks come through. And we started finding these therapists were more of what we call a trauma tourist, where they basically want to just hear these stories from these men and women and, and really not providing care, but just hearing stories, which the stories are, are pretty wild, you know? Yeah. So people hear them and, and they weren't providing the right care. So we developed a, a class, uh, which is a, a multi-day class where people come in and they actually, the, the therapist learns how to work with the first responders. And then COVID hit <laughs> and, and we developed through COVID. And, and again, it all starts with one person uh, started with my wife, Laura. Uh, we started the Hospital Heroes Food Drive. Laura at the time uh, was a critical care nurse at, at Jefferson Hospital in Philly, which Jefferson, if we all remember, was the epicenter to the COVID, uh, the COVID crisis. 
Uh, literally every day people were coming in, there were more body bags than anybody knew what to do with. And, and again, it was right before any interventions came into play, any, any vaccines, any medications, we didn't know what it was. So we got inundated with it. She got inundated with it. I, you know, and I could sit here and tell you stories of, you know, she was, she was quarantined away from us. We had to get a, uh, we had to get an RV for the driveway. She had to stay in an RV in the driveway. And then oh, wow. Jefferson made them all go down to uh, the, I, I think, oh God, I think it was the double tree. It was a hospital. It was a hotel on broad street that was guarded by national guardsmen, you know? And, and so here I am in the world. There's my, you know, this is, this is my wife, you know, at the time was that was, was my fiance. And, and I had to do something. The cool part about my job was that I got a letter from the Department of Homeland Security that allowed me to go anywhere. You know, we had the travel restrictions and I had this cool letter. So like somebody that, uh, you know, actually, actually thought he knew something. I got down into Philadelphia, got to Jefferson, you know, bypassed everybody and saw Laura. And I said, Hey, do you, did you eat today? Did you have anything to eat? And she said, no, somebody, brought a couple of pizzas in and, and patients, to, it was a mess. And you know, it, the cafeteria was a wreck. There was nothing in the vending machines. I, it, it was bad. So I called a buddy of mine. I asked if he has a, uh, he has a restaurant downtown. And I said, I know you're closing, but do you have any food? And he goes, look, I have enough to make 150 burritos. And, and, you know, you make that joke is that, you know, was burritos the, the, the greatest choice for uh, tired people on the go? I, I, you know, I'm not going to talk about bathroom habits afterwards. I don't. I, no, 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 but it's a quick, like, grab and go. I mean, you can hold it in your hand, take a bite. Like, you know, it's an yeah. easy, an easy one. So we got together with them. We, that was our first run. And then I contacted a, a couple of buddies that we do events with. Uh, over with uh, with with Schaefer Entertainment, with Flight Entertainment, with upcoming events. I called John Schaefer, Rob Wright, uh, Ray Sheehan, Dennis Gadenzi, and I said, look, you guys. Dominic Savino? Yep, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Dom, Dominic's one of my closest friends. When you mentioned, you know, your program, I was like, yeah, I've donated a little bit to that through yep. Dominic, and I know and I know Schaefer sound quite well. Yep. So yep. I've worked guys, with Dominic for years. All those guys were amazing. They, uh, they helped push out the the initial offering of it. I mean, at one point, we actually got, I think it was a thousand chicken dinners from KFC. <laughs> it was this, my my car smelled like for at least at least two to three weeks afterwards. It was and as a vegetarian, it was very disturbing. It was just <laughs> <laughs> I, I always forget you're a vegetarian, but I want to circle back around to the the food and, and your beverages and everything like that. Cause um, unfortunately the 20 minutes goes real fast. So <laughs> and we're all talkers. <laughs> So um, why don't you tell a little, tell us, because our family at Food Fed Farms and Chefs, we love to help support, um, you know, and we, we want to get the word out there with, you know, some of the events that you have, that you're raising funds and whatnot to support the, the Trauma Survivors Foundation Hospital Heroes Food Drive. So... Well, our first one coming up, our big one, um, well, we, we actually have two. We're the charity of the Delaware Taco Fest. So Delaware Taco Fest is on September 24th and 25th down at Garrett Tubman or Tubman Garrett uh, Park on the waterfront down in Wilmington. That is a fun festival. There's over 
40, I think it is. I believe it's over 40 taco vendors that are going to be down there. Food, drink, prizes. They even have luchadors that are going to be wrestling there. I mean, it's it's a fun time. And we're the charity of it. And we love our partners with Taste of Your Town over there. They were great. And the weekend after that is our fun one. We have the Delaware Beer Fest. Delaware Beer Fest, uh, October 1st. It's at the Figure 8 Barn over in uh, Bellevue State Park in, in Wilmington, Delaware. Uh, the Figure 8 Barn was a private horse barn for one of the DuPont families. It is a 32,000 square foot horse barn. That's a lot of horses. That used to be a lot of horses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. But the place is absolutely gorgeous. We could pack it not only with with beer and people and food and all that, but we, we have, it, I, I took it on as a bet Somebody told me we couldn't have this really kind of kick butt type of uh, beer fest in Delaware. And I, I took the bet. My initial my initial payment was four dollars. I bought the uh, the domain name Delaware Beer Fest and DelawareBeerFestival.com, you know, and said, well, we're, we're going to try. And uh, the first year we had we had close to 2000 people that came in and then COVID hit. But we still ran smaller events with it. So this one, we're coming back big. So. We have uh, 70 plus brands. We'll have over, you know, 100 plus offerings. Um, we have five live bands that are going to be there. We have uh, some chefs that are absolutely amazing. Chef Jeremiah from from uh, Hamilton's on Main down in Newark will be there. Uh, Chef Robbie Jester, if you guys remember Chef Robbie Jester from Food Network fame, Robbie beat Bobby Flay, and that was that was kind of cool. He's going to be there with Honest Eats. We have. Cool on the go. We got VNM Bistro. So we we tried to make it so much more than just beer and a beer festival. This is a tasting event. And the cool part down there, you get to taste some of the offerings that we have. So one of the wines that we produced uh, is called the Captain's Punch from Wagon House Winery and Three Boys brand over in Mullica Hill, New Jersey. So you get to you get to sample the Captain's Punch there. You'll get the sample, our rebranded Survivors IPA from Big Oyster Brewery. They'll be there that we have a new label and the label has all of our hospital heroes on it. So it's it's a really cool label. We're really excited about it. And for a very limited time, because we are selling out of the stuff, it's that dang delicious. Uh, we have our barrel select uh, nine to 13 year age, age bourbon from Knob Creek, again, all supports the hospital heroes. Now, the cool part, same day that we're doing that, we're the charity of the Pittsburgh All-Star Craft Beer and Wine Festival. So we are covering both areas, you know, down here near Philadelphia, then all the way over there at Pittsburgh. So it's going to be just a really fun day. I'm going to try to do a relay or something and what have you. We just, we actually really fun put at Delaware Beer Fest uh, we just put in a scavenger hunt. So this will be a digital scavenger hunt you can do on your cell phone. And it's about taking fun pictures. It's about doing fun stuff. Everybody's going to get a uh, get a pretzel lanyard, you know, the, your pretzel necklace. And so it's going to be fun. It's going to be an absolute fun event. And then after that, which a month later, which I don't know why we did this. I just don't want to sleep for the next two months. Um, is our Black Tie Sneakers Masquerade Gala. This is my personal favorite. It, it, it is one that was made out of a labor of love. And man, it just gets more fun every year. So our last year before the shutdown, we did it at the Queen down in Wilmington, Delaware. And we decided we're going to move it to Philadelphia. So we are going to be a casino, the or live casino and hotel in Philadelphia. 
We rented out the top floor of this place. Um, we have a cocktail reception, the full gala. You come in your best, best dress, your best tux, your greatest sneakers and put on a mask and you're going to come and have fun. Um, we have one of the top area uh, party bands. We have Kristen and the Noise that is going to be there. If anybody's down at the beaches or at the shore, you know Kristen and the Noise. They are so much fun. We have Snack Time Philly. Snack Time Philly is a seven-piece brass band that started during COVID. They they are uh, they went to the different neighborhoods up in Philly. They you know they went to Fishtown. They went to Port Richmond. They went to Grace Ferry, and they played music. For the people during during thing, it's this funky sound, but it, it is so cool. So they're going to be there. We have James Beard Award nominated chefs, and I think I, I think two winners that are going to be one of our twelve chefs that are going to be there. I, it, it's it's absolutely insane. It's it's going to be this this uh, almost like a street food festival where you come into the cocktail hour and you're getting food from not only the States, Cambodia, Taiwan, Japan, China, from, I think Nigeria, you're getting them from every, every part. And uh, which, which is real cool. And if anybody knows cake and Joe in, in, in Philly, which is amazing. Amherst got me, got me hooked on that. <laughs> you know, my, I'm not allowed to go in or out of Philadelphia without stopping for a dessert for my wife from cake and Joe. It's that good. They're doing our desserts. So it, it's it's really, really cool. And we right now have seven. We're probably going to have upwards to nine distilleries that are going to be there to all Philadelphia brands, all Philadelphia or Pennsylvania brands. And uh, uh, things like Kiki Vodka, Mad Hat. We got Boardroom Spirits, uh, Resurgent. Uh, That's Hat. Uh, yep, yep. That uh, And, and uh, Revivalist is going to be there. It It's going to be this just party right we also have auction items that these are the hard to get auction items when you get there you're going to see uh signed autograph or autographed uh pictures and helmets and footballs and baseballs and things like that that are that people can't find anywhere we we have a huge huge silent auction that all that money is going to go straight to straight to our program but we this one we just want you to come out and have have an amazing amazing time and then and then shortly after that, <laughs> we we have our uh, we have our New Year's Eve bash down at uh, Atlantic City at the Showboat Casino and Hotel, uh, or I think it's called the Showboat Event Center now. This is our I think our sixth or seventh year that we have just we have uh, we've been involved with this with uh, our folks over at upcoming events, and it's a blast. It's a blast. So we we have a lot, and then. There's so many other things. I mean, there, we, we literally get involved. You just have to go to our website. Go to the trauma survivors foundation.com. Go to hospitalheroesfooddrive.org. Go to uh, blacktiesneakersgala.com, delawarebeerfest.com. And if you want to find out about yours truly, so I could sound even more amazing on paper, go to thomasgaridon.com. <laughs> I mean, I was going to round you up, but you kind of like did the whole entire thing. You're just used to me prompting you. I, I just roll with it. That's easy. You know? <laughs> the easiest interview you get, just wind me up and I'll start talking. What is it? 
interview Kevin Smith, he's the same way, right? I know. You're, you're obviously like a well-spoken person and, you know, easy on the eyes. So, you know, if anybody is out there that's, you know, listening, tune into uh, the YouTube channel and look up Food Farms and Chefs and you'll be able to see Dennis as well um, during the interview. But Dennis, thank you so much for joining us. And I want to also mention uh, to our listeners that if they want to support in other ways, you do, you have merch on your uh, merchandise on, on your website as well. <laughs> so just to, just to tell you real quick before we wrap up here, and I'll jump in on this one. Go to blacktiesneakersgala.com. Go under merchandise. We have 10 pairs of sneakers that have been developed for us that are high top, low top sneakers specifically for the Hospital Heroes Drive. There's there's ones that we call the hero ones, the nurse ones, the I love a nurse one. Get it. They're cheap as all anything. They're awesome. We also have a deal with Bungie brand sneakers in Philadelphia for the sneakers. And these are gorgeous sneakers and gorgeous shoes. So get in there and get those things. But also buy T-shirts, have fun, give us donations, send us love. You know, we, we, it's a good time. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much, Dennis, for joining us. Um, until next time, and obviously, you know, you'll see me at uh, the Delaware Beer Fest and Black Tie Sneakers. So, absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on again. No problem, Dennis. Thank you for all you do. Um, and Hospital for Heroes is an amazing, amazing organization. Thank you for uh, being such a great part of that. Thank you, Gene. Thank you so much. PhillyRestaurantReviews.com for all information about the show. Chef Gene. You can find me across social media at Gene Blom or IDPD2, or you can email me directly at IDFOODIE, the number two, at yahoo.com. That's IDFOODI2 at yahoo.com. Thanks to all our great participants today, Dead Sled Coffee. Matt Rossi and Restaurant Alexander. Look them up and try them. Also, Amorous Pollock can be found at arpollockus at gmail.com. You can email her to be a guest or sponsor on the show. Have a great week, everyone. We will see you next week. <laughs>